There's a new lawsuit that was just filed against Veteran Affairs. And who's the plaintiff? Well, it's me, of course. I'm suing the agency after they fail to comply with our FOIA requests. It's all in regards to January 6th defendants. I'll give you the latest details on that. Bring in the Supreme Court. That's what Owen Schroyer is saying. He just recently had his appeal for his J6 case rejected. So now he's looking for the Supreme Court to take up his free speech case. He joins us to discuss. And there's good news coming out of Canada. It looks like Canadian doctors are rejecting the country's program to offer suicide to mentally ill patients. We bring you the latest on that with Dr. Mark Richards. And Colorado tried making its argument regarding the 14th Amendment and removing President Donald Trump from the presidential bout this year. And well, it was a big flop. We bring you the latest on what happened today in front of the Supreme Court. All that and more on The Brianna Morello Show. Thursday, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. We've got a heck of a show lined up for you today. I wanted to launch it off, though, with a recap of what happened on the Supreme Court today. Now, you might recall we told you that the Colorado's attempts to overthrow our 2024 election were going to be making its way in front of the Supreme Court. And today, they did. We heard arguments today and the justices were able to ask some questions. It was all very, very enlightening. Now, ultimately, the justices were actually fair, which is strange for those who are far left, but they were fair. And I know we've heard from legal experts, even those on CNN and MSNBC, saying what Colorado's doing is actually illegal and it's unconstitutional. And they didn't think it was going to be upheld. And so ultimately, yeah, we we could probably tell just based on the tone of the questions that were being thrown at Colorado all day today, that it's likely that it will be overturned and tossed out and President Trump will be on the 2024 ballot. But it's all important that we expedite this because we don't want these states printing out ballots and saying, oh, sorry, we already printed our ballots. We can't add them to the ballot. That's what they're probably going to do. And if you recall, we spoke with Jeff Clark, the former DOJ official, about these issues and how all of these blue states and uh, prosecutors are going to try to stack the Supreme Court with Trump-related cases so that they're just so overwhelmed that they won't take up any potential uh, election fraud cases or any election challenges that make their way to the Supreme Court after the November election in case you know President Trump did have any of those questions that he wanted resolved by the courts. And so it was all quite interesting. So we're going to play a couple of clips that I think you guys would really find enlightening. One comes from Justice Gorsuch, and ultimately he is just putting a sledgehammer, as Greg Price said, to Colorado's defense for what they're doing, because ultimately states don't get to decide who appears in federal elections, and that's what the justice echoed. Let's take a listen. And, and, and here we're not talking about the qualifications clause, right? Um, Nobody's talking about whether he's 35 years old or natural born, whatever, right? Not not at issue, okay? We're talking about something under uh, the 14th Amendment and Section 3. So that's where you have to find your authority, right? We find our authority in Article 2, in states' plenary power to run their elections. Federal election, but this is for a federal office. It has to come from the Constitution, and you're seeking to enforce Section 3. We're suggesting that in their broad power to determine them to select presidential electors in any manner they see fit, they can take account of Section 3 and apply Section 3. Could they do it without Section 3? Could they disqualify somebody for, uh, a, you know, on whatever basis they wanted outside of the qualifications clause? That would run into term limits, I yeah, think. Yeah, I would think so, right? So it has to come back to Section 3. 
And if that's true, how does that work, given that Section 3 speaks about holding office, not who may run for office? It was a point Mr. Mitchell was making earlier, and I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to it, because it seems to me that, that you know, that, that you're asking to enforce in an election some uh, uh, context a provision of the Constitution that speaks to holding office. So it's different than the Qualifications Clause, which is all about who can run and then serve. Yeah. I don't know that it is different. Okay. Other qualifications for office similarly talk about eligibility for the office. There's nothing unconstitutional about a 30-year-old trying to get on the ballot. Except for this disability can be removed, right, under Section 3. That's what's different about So ultimately, it appears that the justices are doubtful that Colorado could actually prove their argument because, again, they are a state. They are not in charge of those who could appear on a federal election ballot. And as many of you know, they're trying to apply the 14th Amendment. That's what the states are trying to do, these blue states. They're trying to apply the 14th Amendment, and they're trying to argue that they can take him off the ballot because he committed an insurrection. Now, all day today, the justices reminded these lawyers that President Donald J. J. Trump was never actually charged with insurrection. Insurrection is a crime in the United States. And if he actually committed it, they would have charged him with that. We know they would have charged him with that because they've charged him with everything that he didn't actually commit. So when they sit there and are avoiding the one charge that would actually add some legitimacy to their argument regarding the 14th Amendment or whether President Donald Trump could appear on the ballot, they won't charge him, which tells you they know they have a weak argument. They know that even in a liberal D.C. jury pool, they cannot convince these, these people that that man committed an insurrection. And so it's all quite fascinating that they continue to make these arguments. But even Justice Contenji Brown Jackson was scratching her head throughout all of this, which is very telling because as many of you know, she's far right, as uh, far left, very far left. And uh, it was very interesting when she was citing the 14th Amendment and specifically that it doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge the role of a president applying to it. Let's take a listen. Again, in the context of these sort of local elections, as opposed to focusing on the presidency. Well, two points on that, Justice Jackson. First is that, as I discussed earlier, there isn't the same history of states regulating ballot access at this time. So ballot access rules to ex restrict presidential candidates wouldn't have, wouldn't have existed. They wouldn't have been raised one way or another. Right, but I'm not but, making a distinction between but, ballot access and no, anything else. Understood, yeah. but the more, yeah. the more broad point I want to make is that what is very clear from the history is, is that the framers were concerned about charismatic rebels who might rise through the ranks up to and including the presidency of the United States. But then why didn't they put the word president in the very enumerated list in Section 3? The thing that really is troubling to me is I totally understand your argument, but they were listing people that were barred, and president is not there. And so I guess that just makes me worry that maybe they weren't focusing on the president and, for example, the fact that electors of vice president and president are there suggests that really what they thought was if we're worried about the charismatic person, we're going to bar insurrectionist electors and therefore that person is never going to rise. This came up in the debates in Congress over Section 3, where uh, Reverdy Johnson said, why haven't you included pre president and vice president in the language? And Senator Morrill responds, we have. Look at the language, any office under the United States. Yes, and but doesn't that at least 
suggest ambiguity. And this sort of ties into Justice Kavanaugh's point. In other words, we had a, a person right there at the time saying what I'm saying. The, the language here doesn't seem to include president. Why is that? And so if there's an ambiguity, why would we construe it to, as Justice Kavanaugh pointed out, uh, against democracy? Well, Reverdy Johnson came back and agreed with that reading. Any office is clear. The Constitution says about 20 times. No, that I don't, I'm not going to that. So let me let me let me just say you. So your point is that it's that there's no ambiguity it, with 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 having a list and not having president in it, with having a history that suggests that they were really focused on local concerns in the South um, with this. She was very logical. And again, citing the history of the 14th Amendment. And what he's citing is the 14th Amendment, Section 3. You guys can read it for yourselves. It, it does not does not say anything about president. And so ultimately, the state of Colorado does not have a valid argument. They're going to find that out the hard way, especially if, if it's an anonymous decision that this rule, this, this that they're trying to kind of manipulate. I wouldn't even say this constitutional amendment because it's not. It's not what they're what – they're, what they're making it seem like it's not in the Constitution. This is where I'm getting at with this. They are trying their hardest to pretend and manipulate – the Constitution, as if it applies to anyone running for president, and it's not. It is not. So, the state of Colorado is going to learn a very valuable lesson, and that is, you cannot interfere in our democracy. You do not. You do not, as a state, get to decide who can run in a federal election and who cannot. And so, for for the state of Colorado and these other blue states who are looking into it, you're about to learn a very valuable lesson. That lesson is. You do not interfere with our federal elections. You do not decide on who gets to run, who need to, whose name gets to appear on a, on a ballot. That is not up to the states. That is up to the American people. And that is a very valuable lesson these states are all about to learn. And I cannot wait for this unanimous decision. I want to tell you guys about my friend, Allie. Allie is always complaining about her feet hurting because she's always in heels and working on them. And so I gifted her the new My Slippers 2.0. And let me tell you something, guys. It's been a complete game changer for Allie. You see, Allie tells me now it feels like she's walking on clouds because these slippers are so soft and the cushioning on them is perfect. She is so happy with her new My Slippers 2.0 that she's bragging about it to everyone. And well, if you go on mypillow.com right now, you'll notice that everyone's talking about these slippers. They're incredible. So right now you have to head over to mypillow.com and secure your slippers right now. Now, if you want to save up to 66% off, you got to do it by using promo code Brianna. That's B-R-E-A-N-N-A. Again, make sure you're using promo code Brianna if you want to secure your 66% off and get them now before they sell out. To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are finally in. You save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. 
And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. We have some happier news coming out of Canada today. It looks like Canada has to halt their assistant suicide program because, well, they weren't able to get enough doctors to participate in it. And ultimately, if you guys recall, Canada announced earlier this year that it was going to ramp up its program to euthanize Canadians with mental health issues. Now, that was extremely, extremely disturbing for so many Canadians and Americans to hear that they were participating in some type of egre- that type of egregious behavior. But ultimately, now it looks like because of the fact that doctors don't want to participate in euthanizing those who are simply mentally ill, Canada has to halt these plans. Now, it was newing its assistant ass- assistant suicide program prior. So this wasn't something that they just recently started. It was only the fact that they were going to now allow those with mental illness issues to participate in the program. I want to bring you some scary, scary facts about the program. So ultimately, it started off as a program that was used for those who were terminally ill. Back in 2022, Canada, sadly, it's just such a heartbreaking story, sadly put to death 13,241 Canadians. That's how many Canadians they killed through this program. It's horrible. It's heartbreaking. Yes. If you compare that to their national number of how many people passed in Canada in 2022, that's literally 4.1% of their population they put down themselves. So it had many people, especially critics, calling it a suicide program that was considered to be genocide at this point because it's literally killing Canadians. And it's disturbing. It's disgusting. People with mental health issues should not feel like suicide is their only option. They should be given medical assistance because mental health issues, yes, they're curable and we can cure them. I want to bring in an expert who knows all about this. I want to bring in Dr. Mark Richards. He's a leading board certified plastic surgeon and he's also a former White House physician for over 16 years. He's also the author of the book, Nobody Wants You Healthy, which is available at nobodywantsyouhealthy.com. Thank you for being here, Dr. Richards. Thank you for having me, Brianna. Thank you. So when I saw the news that they were expanding this program uh, earlier this year, I was heartbroken over it because those with mental health issues, suicide is not the option. There are other options available to them. And I was upset that Canada wasn't willing to, uh, I guess, help them get those options. What do you make of this latest announcement that they have to halt that program, the suicide assistance program, because they're not able to get enough doctors to participate in it? Well, it makes me feel proud of my profession. Uh, because obviously, as you said, this is not the answer for mental health issues. Uh, it may be the answer for somebody who's terminal, losing their faculties and in pain. But for other than those very small group of people, it's it's not really the answer. Yeah. So I, I'm proud. I'm proud that the doctors haven't stepped up to, to go ahead and do that. You know, in my book, yeah. um, which you can also find on Amazon, by the way, um, I talk about sort of the root cause for a lot of the issues that are going on with depression, anxiety, irritability. And it has to do with brain inflammation, oddly enough. It turns out that um, plastics in the environment that it started in 1965 have a compound in them called phthalates. It's a class of chemicals. 
And phthalates make plastics act like plastics, and it's, it's great for a lot of things. You know, it gave you vinyl seats in your cars, whereas before it had to be leather or cloth. It mm -hmm. gave you things like IV bags and plastic tubing to go into a plastic needle in your vein. But honestly, uh, we didn't realize what a horrible drug, a horrible chemical that is. It's, it turns out it's the most powerful hormone disrupting chemical we ever created. So um, today we manufacture globally 200 times the toxic dose of phthalates for every man, woman, child on the planet. And the way this ties into that Canadian story is that the incidence of depression, aggression, mental illness, um, mood disorders is skyrocketing. A lot of it's because of the brain inflammation. When you suppress the most abundant bioactive hormone in both men and women, uh, which by the way is testosterone, then you end up with a lot of problems. You end up with breast cancer increases, heart attacks, strokes. And the reason why is because testosterone controls inflammation. So our levels are 60% lower than 1965, and we're suffering the inflammatory consequences of our chemical poisoning. Yeah, which is heartbreaking, which is heartbreaking. Now, for those at home, I've heard you talk about testosterone and how that could be the solution for those veterans, for an example, who are dealing with depression or PTSD. How does it work? Can you give us kind of like the breakdown of how someone could get tested to see what their testosterone levels are at? And then how does it work mentally on your, your kind of like your brain function a little bit? How does that all kind of play out? Sure. No, I'll be happy to talk about it. And I go into this in depth in my book and all the different organ systems from your heart to your brain to your bones. Um, we were not taught about testosterone in medical school, which is quite odd if you think about it, since it's the most abundant hormone in both men and women their entire life. It's even odder since we've known since 2000 that testosterone is the source of 100% of the estrogen inside your cells, whether you're male or female. Turns out that estrogen in your bloodstream doesn't cross into the cells. So if you look at the labs, and you brought up the veteran piece, which is very important, if you look at labs, the labs report the average of the population they're testing and then go two standard deviations on either side of that average. And the problem is that they're taking the average of a very sick population, a population that has you know, 80% of adults are diabetic or, or, I mean, are obese or overweight, 50% of teenagers are obese or overweight, 50% of adults are diabetic or pre-diabetic, 33%, a third of teenagers are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And all of these things have to do not only with just bad food choices, but the fact that our bodies can't handle it. We can't handle the inflammation, we can't handle the sugars, and testosterone is the key reason why. So if you go to a lab, get your blood drawn, let's say you go and get your blood drawn, and you get your reading comes back at, let's say, 22, and you're mm -hmm. in the range for women that are tested, that are your age. Well, that doesn't really help you because we know from Germany that 24 is a severe deficiency and 34 is a moderate deficiency. And to give you an mm -hmm. idea of what that means, at, at 24, that person's five-year life expectancy is 50% less than somebody who's above 24. Their, 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 their mortality rate, over, or rather their mortality rate, their risk of dying over the next five years is 50% higher. So these are important things. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at a man and maybe the lab says, you know, um, 180 is at the bottom of the range. Well, we've known from 40 years of research that 300 is a severe deficiency, 450 is a moderate deficiency, 
And the American Clinics of Cardiology looked at men and said, okay, those below 550 have a 30% higher risk of heart attacks over the next five years. So it's hard for your doctor to know by the lab tests unless they've really you know, studied the subject, which nobody has because um, it's not something that they care to let us in on. And the reason for that is corruption in the um, mm -hmm. sort of medical, pharmaceutical, uh, governmental complex because 90% of the trillions of dollars in pharma revenues each year comes from treating chronic disease but never preventing or curing it. And if we were so foolish as to treat everybody with low testosterone, which is 60% of the adult population or more, um, we would reduce chronic diseases by 50% or more. And that would have devastating consequences on revenue, which would have devastating consequences on all the people that pharmaceutical industries fund, such as the press, which is 60% of their ad revenue, uh, universities, uh, the FDA, which it funds, NIH. Um, mm -hmm. It funds a lot of people, it funds all the medical journals, so it has a lot of say over what does and doesn't get published. It funds the medical specialty society, so it has a lot of say over what the practice guidelines are. And so we end up with a system that has unfortunately been corrupted because the pharmaceutical industry's responsibility, their legal responsibility is to their shareholders. It's not to the doctors or to the patients. And that's in a nutshell, the reason why I wrote my book, because somebody has to tell the public and somebody has to tell my fellow doctors who have been miseducated, uh, mostly on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point that you mentioned. I, I know when I talk with people about the, the COVID vaccine, for an example, doctors, the, one doctor told me specifically that when, when he was in medical school, that you never questioned vaccines, you just kind of had to accept what they were telling you and you weren't allowed to question them. So I think it's interesting, uh, the comparison between both of those as well with what you're saying and then the vaccines as well. How do we fix this issue in medical schools where they're not teaching these things like testosterone is a solution for so many issues that Americans are having right now. How do we correct this issue just based on the roots of medical school right now? Well, it's a difficult problem. I can tell you, I'm, I'm trying to change military medicine because to, for me to try to change the VA medical system, um, which would be great, it would reduce chronic disease and deaths by 50%. It would probably reduce the suicide rate by 75% because a lot of this depression is additive. It's a hormonal aspect of it. You know, these people weren't depressed in their 20s. They became depressed long afterwards. So uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't move the VA system. So I'm looking at military medicine and the real um, people that are out there active, particularly our special operations group, because mm -hmm. they cost a couple million dollars to train. And uh, they probably cost a half million dollar at least a year to um, retain and keep training. And so for the military to lose this group of people or have them retire early is an extremely expensive proposition. So something that goes against what the pharmaceutical industry is saying or what typical organized medicine is saying is on the table. If you can save, you know, millions of dollars per special operative, then, you know, I, I think I can bend an ear and actually get the situation fixed. And from there, um, I hope to grow it into the rest of the military, uh, into the VA system and into the public. But you're right, it's a, it's a difficult reach. We have to stop the conflicts of interest um, in our health government agencies. 
Um, we have to take the big money out of uh, politics. Um, we have to expose where media has been totally lying to us and um, corrupted by their ad revenue. Um, mm. You know, as the Post says, democracy dies in darkness. And I thought it was a warning. I didn't know it was actually their object. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, but it's true. I mean, we just covered a couple of weeks ago, the, the COVID vaccines were pushed through a lot of the corporate media outlets. And it was all linked to, a, we found out through a FOIA request that all the major networks took money from the federal government to promote the vaccines. And when I was over at Fox, we had, uh, that's where I worked previously, we had a, we had a, um, somebody, a part of the Trump administration on air, and we edited out a part where he just told Americans, if you're young and healthy, think twice, because we don't know what the long-term effects of these vaccines are. And that got edited out. And then we found this FOIA request where it pointed the money at at the HHS for, for giving this to the media. And, and so ultimately, it's all wrapped into one, sadly. And I think you're right on that front. We've, we've got a lot of unpacking to do when it comes to corruption, both in media, politics, and the medical industry. So I hope we could get it fixed soon. For those of you at home right now looking to get his book, Dr. Mark Richards' book, head over to Amazon or to his website, which is nobody nobodywantsyouhealthy.com. Dr. Mark Richards, thank you so much for your help today. We appreciate everything that you just told us. Well, I've got some news for you guys, and it has to do with the lawsuit that I have now filed. I am now suing Veteran Affairs. And as you see, that was filed earlier this morning. Now, you're probably wondering why am I going after the VA in court? Well, ultimately, I've been working on several stories regarding J6 defendants who are also veterans who had their benefits pulled prior to their criminal trials. So again, they weren't convicted and they lost their benefits. And then there were others who weren't convicted of any felonies, but saw a reduction in their benefits as well. Now, the VA is not supposed to do that. It's only supposed to do that if they are convicted of a felony, not of a misdemeanor. And so I've reached out to the VA on multiple occasions to obtain communications between members of the VA and try to figure out why this even happened in the first place. So if you've been following you know, my journey here on the show, we've discussed several times what the VA was doing. So ultimately, there were several J6 defendants who reached out to me regarding their benefits getting gained. And ultimately, one of those defendants was J.D. Rivera. J.D. Rivera saw a reduction in his benefits after being convicted on several misdemeanor offenses. Now, J.D. is a member of the media. All he did was enter that day. He's not a violent person. He never was even accused of committing violence. But he entered that day as a videographer, and they filed charges against him. So the letter you're seeing on your screen right now was obtained after I reached out to the VA on JD's behalf. And ultimately, the VA, after going back and forth with emails with me and JD, they sent them this letter in the mail. And this letter is an open admission to the VA wrongfully cutting back and rolling back JD's benefits. And ultimately, you'll see that they do offer an apology at the end of that letter, which is kind and sweet, right? So now they're trying to correct their issue, which is fair. But then it wasn't just JD. Then I got calls from other veterans saying that their benefits were pulled too, and they weren't supposed to. So I wrote the VA about them, and then the VA did not want to respond because it was suddenly becoming an issue that there were several J6 defendants who were having the same issue. So as a journalist, I submitted a FOIA request. That's a Freedom of Information Act request. And ultimately, I asked for any internal emails or communications regarding these January 6th defendants, and I listed their names specifically. And the VA, at first, did come back to me and ask for further information, which I provided them with. And then months passed, and I didn't hear back from the VA. 
And so ultimately, after waiting over 20 business days, which legally is all we have to do, I've decided to file a lawsuit against the VA because ultimately we need to get to the bottom of this. Why is the VA producing J6ers benefits? It's something that doesn't make any sense if you look at how these things are supposed to operate. And especially because while the VA is overwhelmed these days, not just taking care of (laughs) veterans, but sadly, they're taking care of illegal aliens breaking into our country. As many of you know, we've reported on that previously. So now I will be facing the VA in a civil lawsuit. And I look forward to that. But it's not just the VA that's refusing to respond to my FOIA request, which they are legally obligated to do. There are other three-letter federal agencies that are refusing to respond. And well, this won't be the first lawsuit we file, and it sure as heck won't be the last. I'm telling you guys, we will go after all of them and take them all to civil court if they refuse to be transparent, because that's what journalism is. Journalism is getting to the bottom of all of this. Now, we might not be on a flashy corporate media outlet, but independent journalism, like I've said to you guys before, will save America, because there is no other media outlet that would actually cover a story like this. And unfortunately, well, I mean, that's pretty unfortunate, I'd have to say. But fortunately for me, I'm not on a corporate media outlet anymore. I am independent and I get to do whatever the heck I want to. And so I've decided we're going to create transparency within our federal government by continuing to submit these FOIA requests. And if the federal government doesn't want to comply, we'll sue them. And that's how we're moving forward with all of this. Now, if you'd like to begin to support my work, you guys can. As I said, as I mentioned, we are independent. So that means we literally just, I'm working off the money that I'm being given through you guys through subscriptions. So whether you want to support us through Twitter, Substack, Locals, what we just recently launched, or other platforms, feel free to do so. We will also have other options coming out shortly. So again, guys, if you are looking to support your veterans, and I am too, Make sure you support independent journalism because we will get to the bottom of all of this and why our federal government is being weaponized at every level. I just finished unpacking my latest MyPillow order and guys, it is incredible. I just stocked up on the new MyPillow 2.0 line and let me tell you something, when it's the MyPillow I'm using 2.0 or if it's the Giza bed sheets, I'm sleeping like a baby these days. And it's just not my sleep that's improving. Gia and Giuseppe, their sleep's improving on the MyPillow dog beds. They are loving them. I literally can't get Gia off of it because she's obsessed with it. My best friend Allie, I gifted her the new MyPillow slippers and she can't take them off her feet these days. She doesn't feel like she's walking on clouds, especially after working in heels all day long. So if you're interested in improving the quality of life right now, you gotta head over to MyPillow.com. And if you wanna secure up to 66% off, make sure you type in Brianna, that's B-R-E-A-N-N-A. You gotta head there now. They're going to sell out quickly and you gotta get your hands on these new products. Hey everyone, I'm getting ready to head out right now, but before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da, and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included in it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. 
We wanted to bring you an update on a story we've been following. Owen Schroyer had his appeal denied, as you guys recall. We were telling you about the charges that he pled guilty to on January 6th. Well, he tried to appeal all of that, and the U.S. Court of Appeals has denied his appeal. And so with us right now to discuss all of this is Owen Schroyer. Owen, thank you for jumping on with us. I must mention you are the host of the Infowar show, War Room with Owen Schroyer. Uh, you have been telling us all about this appeal process for quite some time now, and it looks like the appeals court disagrees with you, and they have shot down your appeal. Why do you think the appeals court got all of this wrong? Well, I think generally speaking, I- I'm not even sure they understood the argument, quite frankly, and that's not meaning to insult their intelligence. But I think, again, generally speaking, most people don't understand what we're really up against. I mean, most people in media, most people in Congress, most people in the justice system. Now, what am I talking about? The argument that we're making to the appeal uh, to the appeals court here is that the speech, my speech, which was mentioned in the sentencing memo and then brought up in the sentencing hearing, not only by the prosecution, but also by the judge, this is what we're appealing, is that my speech was used to further my sentencing. My speech was used ultimately as the reason for my incarceration. We're not arguing that I didn't plead guilty. We're not arguing that I didn't commit the offense of entering and remaining on restricted grounds. Now, we'd like to argue Uh, political persecution, and we would have an obvious case. But unfortunately, we already tried to argue that in front of a judge, and he didn't want to hear it. And the argument was that, well, this case is ongoing, and so therefore we can't tell whether you're actually being singled out or not. So we didn't want to go back down that route. But again, there is precedent, and there are prior decisions that have been brought before the Supreme Court where speech, even, even the most violent of rhetoric, cannot be used in sentencing and cannot be used to further one's incarceration. And this is what we were trying to argue. And so based off the decision of the appeals court, it it feels like they didn't even understand what we were arguing. And it was kind of like, hey, you know, uh, my client still has a First Amendment right. They're they're arguing that he doesn't have a First Amendment right here and, and we need to stop this now. And it was almost like the appeal court said First Amendment never heard of her. And so that's kind of how it felt. And that's why we are going to be moving this forward to the Supreme Court. And hopefully there they will understand it, because this is what's dangerous about this situation, Brianna. It's not about my case. It's not about whether I served 60 days or 600 days. It's not about whether this was January 6th or June 6th. This is about speech being treated as a crime. That's what this is about. And it's very evident to anybody that studied my case that the crime that the government is alleging I committed was a speech crime. And you can go look at their 31-page sentencing memo. You can go read the transcript from the sentencing hearing. 95%, if not more, of the conversation is about what I said, not what I did. And not even what I said on January 6th what I said on my talk shows before January 6th, what I said on my talk shows after January 6th, having nothing to do with January 6th, what I said at protests. So this is clearly a First Amendment right issue. That's why we're taking it to the Supreme Court. And our concern here is that if this is not understood, 
that the reason why I'm being sentenced is my speech, then what we're going to see in the very near future is other individuals, journalists, uh, protesters, whatever you want to say, anybody's speech now can be used against them in a court of law to sentence them and incarcerate them. And that is an extremely dangerous precedent in the United States of America and completely antithetical to the First Amendment. Yeah, no, it is. And I mean, you're not alone. There's a lot of other J6 defendants who were literally just convicted on speech. I know Enrique Tarrio, sitting in prison right now for 23 years, specifically his charges are related to text messages. Ultimately, that's what the DOJ was able to pin on him. Text messages that he sent in group chats, they're saying led to the events that unfolded on J6, even though he wasn't even there. They're also citing two comments that you made on your show. I read through it. And they're saying that that's what led to the riot on J6. But ultimately, like you just detailed, it, that's just free speech. And we've seen it played out in court before where what you say doesn't actually mean what the actions of others took up that day has any kind of reflection on what you did say. And again, it's free speech. It's okay. But the court's saying that during your plea agreement that you waived your right for an appeal and that's why they're dismissing it. What is your what is your goal with the Supreme Court right now? What are you hoping that they look at when they're considering taking up your case? Well, well, again, to reiterate, we're, we're not we're not trying to go back in time here and and redefend the the charges that I pled guilty to. Yeah. What we're trying to argue here is that I was wrongfully sentenced and incarcerated based off of my speech. And so, what we're really looking for from the Supreme Court is hopefully not just that understanding, but but to reassert a precedent that speech. I mean, in this case, perfectly legal speech. Nobody was arguing that my speech was illegal, but somehow they're arguing that it's worthy of incarceration. And I'm now going on year five of probation. So what we're hoping here is that the Supreme Court reasserts that speech cannot be used in a case like this to sentence and incarcerate somebody, because yeah. that's the dangerous precedent that we have here where I mean, and, and I mean, really, if you want to even expand on this, this is like saying if you find somebody guilty for any crime, I mean, you name the crime, let's say it's a speeding ticket, something as mundane as a speeding ticket, and they go back and find on your social media that one time you um, made a threatening message to a politician or something. Well, then they're going to use that against you in your case to sentence you, use that against you in your case to incarcerate you. I mean, that's essentially what they did here. So that's what we're trying to argue in front of the Supreme Court, and we're trying to stop this. We're hoping they understand that and reassert that no, you can't use speech that has nothing to do with the case, nothing to do with the charges, nothing to do with anything involving your defense, the prosecution, and then use that against you in your sentencing and your incarceration. So, so we're hoping that the Supreme Court can reassert that as the precedent. And that's where it already stands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're trying to do this to President Donald Trump, obviously. And so I think and the per first person who told me about this actually was Stuart Rhodes when I had a discussion with him when all of these charges started getting filed in D.C. Ultimately, they were trying to make way to go after President Trump to use his words against him to to say that he somehow incited the violence. And so ultimately, I think a lot of you are, are victims of this. This was them trying to make precedents and trying to lay out some type of argument in court so they could go after the president and incarcerate him. So I'm interested to see if the Supreme Court will take up your case, because ultimately that's going to be the arguments used against the president as well in his case in D.C. as well. So we'll see where that goes. I'm interested in continuing to follow it, though. So thank you for that, Owen. I want to jump well, to something else. Just add one thing before we jump. Let's just add one thing, because let's look at a practical application of where this is going right now. 
Libs yeah. of TikTok run by a young lady, uh, Shia Rychik. You see what they're doing to her now, where yeah. all she does is repost leftists content on her own mm. page. She, there's nothing secretive about what she does. She's not uh, hacking into anybody's systems or videos. She just takes their own videos that they upload to TikTok, they upload to Instagram, they upload to Twitter, and she just reposts them. And now the mainstream media and um, the American left is saying, oh, she's essentially a terrorist for resharing our videos. And look, people are getting threatened now because of her content, which isn't even her content. It's their own content. So you see what they're doing now. They're trying to argue that her speech. So let's say let's say you say something that a leftist doesn't like and they decide, you know what, I'm going to fake a threat to myself. I'm going to fake a phone call. I'm going to fake an email. I'm going to fake a threatening letter to myself. And then I'm going to point at the person that I don't like. And I'm going to say, see what you did. You caused this. Now I'm suing you. And so we have to stop this now. I hope the Supreme Court sees how important this is because it can, this can get very dangerous if we don't stop it now. No, I agree with that, Owen. I do. I do. Uh, and speaking of dangerous, because they love targeting free speech and the free press. We're seeing the corporate media attack, uh, go after Tucker Carlson. Tucker obviously announcing that he has a interview that's going to be released tonight with uh, Vladimir Putin. And they're not fa- uh, friendly with that. They don't like that at all because ultimately now Tucker's going around the mainstream narrative and he's going straight to the source to see what's really happening right now with the war against him in Ukraine. And so ultimately we're going to figure that out. But, you know, all of these media outlets have been calling Tucker names and a lot of the terms that are being floated around have to do with treason. Uh, I think it's funny because we caught this clip on CNN and I'm going to play it for you in a second. It's funny because CNN, MSNBC, they've all tried to get interviews with Putin. And this is CNN actually admitting that. So let's take a listen. That's a lie. Serious news outlets, including CNN, have requested Putin to interview over and over again. So CNN, MSNBC, they've all submitted these requests. They've gotten denied by Russia. They don't want to deal with them at all. So (laughs) what is this really going on here? Because it seems like they're pretending like there's some treason involved in this, but they're just upset. It looks like that uh, Putin won't sit down with them and get an interview with them. You know, that that's funny that you play that clip. I hadn't seen that one yet. And and Mm -hmm. since Tucker landed in Russia, there's been new video clips that we've seen, uh, some from uh, 20 years ago, some from 10 years ago, some from five years ago, some from two years ago. So the media has been interviewing Vladimir Putin for for decades. Barbara Walters, Charlie Rose, just a few years ago, NBC had a sit down interview with Vladimir Putin where he completely eviscerated uh, their pathetic uh, interviewer there. You may recall he brought up the January 6th setup and how they killed Ashley Babbitt and others. They didn't like that. So I think there's definitely a level of jealousy But I think more than anything, what we are witnessing here is the psychological phenomenon known as projecting. Really, it's the mainstream media that's, if anybody's been committing treason against the country, it's them. It's them lying about Trump-Russia collusion. Um, And and, I mean, you could start there, finish wherever you want. And I think that this is going to really show the American people that the entire narrative based around Vladimir Putin and Russia is entirely fake. And I think that this is one of the one of the issues where whether it came from the left or the right, many people kind of still fell for the Russian boogeyman 1980s Cold War era approach to foreign policy. This could be the death blow to that. And so I think it even goes beyond just Tucker Carlson and what might come of this two hour interview. I, nobody's even seen it. To what, to what I know, I don't think anybody's seen it, so I don't even know what they're so panicked about. They haven't even seen it yet. But 
I think we know why they're panicked. They've been lying about Russia. They've been lying about Vladimir Putin. But more specifically, they've been lying about the war in Ukraine. And, mm-hmm. and so they're afraid if the American people uh, realize that they've been lied to about all three of those things, but most importantly, the war that has taken hundreds of billions of our dollars, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have been slaughtered uh, because of the West, because of Joe Biden, because of the uh, NATO desperation to continue to get funding from all these countries when really it's a completely defunct and useless organization. And so I think that they're afraid that Tucker Carlson is going to expose all of those truths. They're definitely jealous. But again, how can Americans not see Barbara Walters, Charlie Rose? I mean, the list goes on and on. Hillary Clinton has visited Putin. Um, George Bush has visited Putin. Nobody accused them of treason. Nobody said they were Russian uh, colluders. But when it's Trump, when it's Tucker Carlson, all of a sudden it's treason, all of a sudden it's Russian collusion. So I I think the American people are going to see through this. I think the the mainstream media's panic tells a lot of different stories. And all really it's doing is making this interview even more hyped and anticipated than any interview uh, with a foreign leader that I can recall in modern history. So we're all kind of waited on the edge, waiting on the edge of our seat now uh, to get this interview. I know Tucker has been enjoying some of his time in Russia. I, I mean, I don't have any intel, but I hope he's not done. I hope he goes and interviews Edward Snowden. I hope he goes and interviews Tara Reid. You know, I yeah. think that it would be interesting for him to kind of do a whole round of interviews over there with these individuals that the mainstream media just wants to completely ignore now. So yeah, mainstream media is panicked. I think what we're seeing is projection. They're the ones that tell the lies. They're the ones that, that lie to the American people. If anybody's committing treason, it's them. Uh, but there's definitely, I think, a level of jealousy, too, that Tucker Carlson is actually trusted by the American people. And the mainstream media is pretty much beyond even distrusted at this point, uh, pretty much hated. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just it's laughable at this point when I'm watching all these little talking heads go off about it. I think it was Christopher uh, Hayes yesterday who was rambling about how Tucker is a blogger now and is writing him off as a blogger. I think the biggest issue they're going to realize was getting him kicked off of Fox. Although, when, you know, I worked at Fox. We all knew he had kind of some freelance. He could do whatever he wanted to. He did have some restrictions in place. So now you're really going to see the truth coming out because stuff that Fox normally wouldn't air is going to make its way out there through platforms like Twitter. So we're very thankful for that. Uh, Owen, thank you for your time. I want to thank you for everything. And I want to remind our audience that you are still taking donations for your appeal. So head over to Give, Send, Go, and it's the Owen Troyer Emergency Legal Defense Fund. That's where you guys can make your donations. Thank you, Owen. We appreciate your time as always. If you enjoyed that interview, make sure you subscribe to our Rumble and YouTube page and make sure you give us a thumbs up as well. We could use that. And if you're listening to us on any of the podcasting platforms, make sure you give us five stars. And again, we'd love to hear your feedback. So leave us a comment and we look forward to reading it. Tell us whatever you want, mean <laughs> mean or not, I guess I should say. Make sure you leave those comments. And well, again, if you're watching on YouTube, I don't know why you are, but if you are watching on YouTube, Let's stay in touch because YouTube is likely going to yank our page soon. They've already given us one strike. So head over to BriannaMorello.com and subscribe to my Substack. It's free. Enter your email address and we'll add you to the mailing list. We'll be right back after this. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm going to say it again. Under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend, Dr. Kirk Elliott, because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure. And he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. 
I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's kirkelliottphd.com slash Brianna. I want to tell you guys about my friend Allie. Allie is always complaining about her feet hurting because she's always in heels and working on them. And so I gifted her the new My Slippers 2.0. And let me tell you something, guys. It's been a complete game changer for Allie. You see, Allie tells me now it feels like she's walking on clouds because these slippers are so soft and the cushioning on them is perfect. She is so happy with her new My Slippers 2.0 that she's bragging about it to everyone. And well, if you go on mypillow.com right now, you'll notice that everyone's talking about these slippers. They're incredible. So right now you have to head over to mypillow.com and secure your slippers right now. Now, if you want to save up to 66% off, you got to do it by using promo code Brianna. That's B-R-E-A-N-N-A. Again, make sure you're using promo code Brianna. If you want to secure your 66% off and get them now before they sell out. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.